You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Go check out Exodus Trail Cameras. They're very badass, and you need to go check them out because they work. Anyway, I'm going to do a really short intro today because chapter three, it's the end of this trilogy, so to speak, this week of all the uh, podcasts have been dedicated to my Colorado elk hunt. And today is chapter three of that. It is the final chapter to the elk hunt. So we kind of wind it all down. We talk about what we've learned. We talk about gear uh, and it's Ryan and I in a car heading down Interstate 80, heading back to Iowa. So uh, that's what today's podcast is about. Now, quick commercial. While I was in Colorado, I beat the shit out of my equipment. Literally, I beat it. I beat it up because it was a hard terrain, tough hunt. And I used my trekking pole in one hand and I had my bow in the other. And my bow went everywhere I went and I bumped it against stuff and I dropped it and I drug it across branches and I used it as another trekking pole on some really steep inclines. And I would take it out after we would get back to camp and I would shoot it and it stayed on point. And I love equipment like that. And that equipment is my prime logic this year. So go check out Prime Archery. Check out their website. Check out, I don't know if you've purchased a um, purchased a bow this year or not. If you're looking for one, you need to check out the Prime Logic. It's built tough and it's built for bow hunters. So go check it out. That's all I'm going to say really about that. I mean, I literally beat the shit out of it. So go check out the Prime Logic. All right. Enough of the crap. Let's finish this trilogy. Here's chapter three of a recap of our 2018 elk hunt in Colorado. Three, two, one. 
It is 5, 10. Have we crossed over into the into? Yeah, we're central. We're central time now. Okay. Yep. So it's 5, 10 in the morning, and we are somewhere in Nebraska. Uh, we're on our way back from our elk hunt. We figured what a better time to do a podcast than right now. We've been up for, <laughs> I mean, you really don't sleep when you're uh, riding shotgun, right? You no, just kind of really. Your eyes are closed, and then every time there's a bump, you're like, oh, what? Hey, huh? <laughs> are we going to die in a wreck? Right. Wake up. Arms numb, hands yeah. numb, right? Something's numb. Yeah, yep. So we're uh, driving through Nebraska, and I figured, hey, while we're both extremely exhausted from this elk hunt, why don't we uh, do a podcast on the road? So that background noise that you hear is Interstate 80 underneath of our tires, and uh, we just we just finished one of the most grueling physical tasks that we've that we've done right so this is chapter three of this whole story uh chapter one was gear expectations uh training uh we we recorded that one on the way out here we recorded chapter two at the cabin after uh day one and day two and then we had day three four five and which would have been yesterday slash today whatever however you're looking at it uh, yeah, today's the 8th. Today's the 8th. Did we hunt on the 8th? No, we hunted on the 7th. No, we hunt, yeah. On the 7th. Okay, yep. so the morning of the 7th, then we then we took off. So we talked a little bit about expectations, right? Uh, and you know, we talked a lot about phys- the physical demand. So you have this little watch on your wrist. <laughs> and You make it, it sound like it's a, a woman's watch, like it's, a, well, it's, it's petite. No, well, I mean, it, it's it, it's little uh, compared to, like, I don't know, our backpacks, all right? You okay. have this device you wear. It's a, basically a watch, and it measures, like, calories and elevation, and it tells time, and, you know, it can do, <laughs> like, long division or whatever. <laughs> it's just like. It's not a Casio, uh, you know, the little calculator. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, hey, we, and that's the uh, radar detector because we're, we're speeding. We're going really <laughs> fast. We're we're going pretty fast. Interstate 80, uh, if you don't know, is a long stretch of a highway that goes basically from one end of the country all the way to the other end of the country. It goes through all of Nebraska, all of Iowa, and uh, the cops just don't really patrol it from like <laughs> <laughs> three in the morning. Anyway, so we uh, on this device. Let's talk a little bit about what this device told us about this elk hunt. On average, how many calories did we burn in a day uh, uh, throughout this trip? In a 24-hour period, active and inactive calories together was about 5,000. That was about the average. So sleeping and and hunting right all the entire day right yep so five thousand total calories now you had a measurement one uh one of the measurements was man from from camp to our first hunting spot was 1700 calories right yeah so that tells me that the 520 calorie breakfast that i ate was burnt before we even got to our hunting calorie 
Oh, yeah, our, our hunting, Yeah, our hunting uh, spot. So it, it, I felt that no matter how much I ate, I, it's like I couldn't force any more food or water in my in my body, and I, I felt like I couldn't eat anymore, but our body needed it. So I, I felt I was force-feeding myself at some point. Oh, yeah. Mornings were the worst for me. Right. Like just trying to get all that food in, you know, something that's really dense. Thick. Yeah, as far as your, your macronutrients, it just... Oh, because the first thing you do, I mean, it's not like we would do a warm up and then start our ascent. Oh, no. Our warm up. It was balls out. Yeah. Our warm up and our basically our wake up call was this, what, like a hundred, like only a hundred yards. And, mm-hmm. you know, people look, may say, oh, a hundred yards in Iowa, that might be a long ways. But what we were doing, this hundred yard incline was just our wake up call. Basically, <laughs> it spiked our heart rate, and our heart rate was getting. I mean, I I don't know about you, but man, my heart rate was skyrocketing. I mean, and it was just like boom, 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 oh, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Mine was 150. Is like as soon as we got to the top of that very first, yeah, little incline. Yeah, and then it pretty much, it pretty much maintains that for the rest of the climb. I mean, yep. We burnt 107. You know, obviously, the the amount of energy that we used, right, in in that, what that's like a mile and a half, two miles as a crow would fly, right, right to get from the cabin to that first hunting spot. So 1,700 calories in two miles. That is ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, and that's not, I mean, so if you calculated in, our body weights because you know it's calculated to my body weight right you're probably well you are you're burning more calories um but we also don't factor in the weight of our packs Mm -hmm. you know we've got at least a minimum of a gallon water on there yep and then your bow your rain gear your other clothes your layers um and just all the other shit you put in your pack plus the weight of your pack yep so you know you're probably actually burning a little bit more than that but this is just a nice round number right so would you feel comfortable saying that we we probably burned six thousand calories a day over Um, over the course of a day i don't know uh probably not quite that much you're closer to that than than i would be but um just i don't know it's a lot yeah 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 okay so as you know we, we talked about how demanding it was. Do you feel that, talk about your physical conditioning after the first two days. Do you feel your body started getting better uh, and more acclimated? Did, do you feel like parts of your body were getting more tired? Uh, talk to me Talk to me about how you, how you felt about your, uh, your overall physical conditioning. Um, well, for me, the biggest part was, the, was just the lungs. Yeah. I mean, the, you could, just could not get your breath right although the thing that i noticed the the biggest difference in is the amount of recovery time that it took once you made one of those those right. you know like we would basically work these benches right and you would make this 200 you know or 100 uh, foot ascent and it would be really steep and then you'd get in in on to a bench and uh i noticed that that recovery time was a lot quicker every yep. time yep uh 
the, the one thing I also noticed is my legs just like they weren't sore, but man, they they were just I don't know. It's just like they weren't there, right? You know, um, I don't know. That's what How I. How about you? Yeah, I had the the same exact uh, uh, feeling, right? So day day one compared to day six. Day one, I'm you know I'm I climb up, I'm huffing, I'm puffing. My le- I felt my legs were stronger on day one, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. Day, and day two, um, where they're they're what they weren't feeling like jelly. Uh, there wasn't any muscle burn, uh, but I would but I was huffing and puffing for longer when we got to the top. Now, yesterday, we we did the same incline, right, as the, all the previous mornings for the most part. Uh, you know, uh, the, the one is coming out of the creek up until, you know, where we made the, uh, some of those final calls before we decided to head back to the cabin and call the hunt over. Right. You know, it's a big, steep incline coming out of a creek, and my legs were... It, it's it's almost like if you've ever slept on a leg, you know you get that tingly feeling. Yep. And right after that tingly feeling goes away, you're just like, man, is my leg gonna is is my leg gonna work? <laughs> and that and that's what uh, from a, my my legs were just straight up exhausted. No now, feedback, really. Yeah, exactly. It's like I hope when I t- my brain tells my leg to put my foot in front of the next one, <laughs> it does that. Yeah. Right. So so. We did that, uh, but when I got to the top, my like it took me two, three breaths, and I was recovered. Right. The last day compared to the uh, like day one, day two, part of day three, where you're just like <gasps> for fifteen, <laughs> what felt like fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, from from that standpoint, um, like, do you feel that now that now that this is over? Do you feel that your training was sufficient? Um, I think it was. Yeah. You know, I I kind of I told you a couple times that just in doing a lot of those lunges and box overs and burpees and all that crap, you know, for those real high intensity moments, and then you know you kind of you back down or like your your workouts over, and let's just say. 35 40 minutes yeah um i felt like as that was as close to some of those ascents that that i could replicate at our altitude right you know nothing that you could do at our altitude would replicate what's got to go on and you know, on the uh right. at the elevation obviously right one thing that i think i would change on on my workout would be so i did hikes right but i i did these long like long basically endurance hikes four miles took me like an hour with 80 pounds on i think next time i'm gonna find a big big hill and just go up and down up and down it multiple <laughs> times right because my calves were burning your calves huh? my calves uh it's something that you know if you don't have a big steep incline to walk up for not i'm not talking like i mean they're there were days like when we would go, um, let's see, not uh, yesterday, but we went to that little hidden meadow, and then we climbed up to go t- check his trail cameras, right? Right. You're not, you're not walking uphill for 100 yards. 
you're walking uphill for two straight miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. To get to that. Yeah. And then, then we come up to a pitch, and it is, it's like 40 degrees incline. Yep. Uh, to get up to that that bench. Yeah, you're leaning into the yeah into the hill. You have to use your hands to climb, and I figured, I, you know, my calves. I I wasn't training my calves hardly at all. You know, I would do my deadlifts and stuff, but that was more for my quads and my ass. But you know, I I feel like I would do more maybe calf raises or you know when I do my weighted pack uh, exercises, I would uh, find steeper hills to climb uh-huh. up. So. But other than that, I think I acclimated better this go around compared to my last uh, elk hunt. I what else did I do? Uh, acclimated better. Uh, my recovery time was great towards the end. I, I felt overall I felt better uh, physically. You know, yes, it's grueling. Yes, it's punishment. Punishing. Yes, it. I mean, there were times in in that deadfall you know like it wasn't just day one and day two it was every single day yeah just lifting your feet up over your waist to get over a log and you're doing that for hundreds and hundreds of yards oh yeah that takes a toll yep on, those, on you those logs with all those branches you know it's not like this deadfall when a tree is freshly fallen the the branches are limber you know that you can bend them easily yeah these pricks were stiff i mean it's like just like spikes you know yeah i mean my legs I are w- beat yeah. to shit i wish everybody here could see ryan's legs <laughs> it looks like the mob got a hold of him and just beat his legs with like a <laughs> bat or something there's bruises from his knees to his ankles on both sides i got scabs all over I look like a meth addict. <laughs> I got scabs from my knees all the way down. Right. I'm getting poked, you know, with the, with these sticks. So, you know, the calorie intake, it's almost impossible to keep up. The water intake, I felt I felt really good with my water intake. Every day, uh, minus day one and day two, I came back to the cabin with extra water. Right. And still peeing. Yeah, and still, yeah. And still peeing. Now, there were a couple times where my pee turned yellow i started getting headaches um, but it was one of those things where it just took me you know slam a bottle of water and then make sure i you know when i get back to the cabin you know drink as much water as possible the next morning i'm hydrated again and uh um, so from a water standpoint i think because i took two liters in with me every day two and three bottles of water right in my pack and i felt you know, I felt pretty good. There were a couple days where, um, man, what day was it? It was the end of day three, I think. Was it the end of day three where you're basically, you, you basically had to motivate me to walk uphill? You're like, <laughs> Dan, we're almost to the cabin, man. We're almost Come to on. the cabin. You can do this, man. And I'm just like, I was exhausted. I was yeah. toast. And um, I went out every single hunt and then... You went out on one evening hunt, and I stayed back on on an evening hunt. And I just, I think my my legs needed rest. Uh, You know, obviously I didn't miss out on much. Right. So from a from a body standpoint, uh, you know, and calorie intake, that you know, I wanted to get that on the table so everybody knew kind of what we went through, how many calories we burnt, you know, how steep we were climbing, and for me, you know, I've had two ACL replacement surgeries over the years, one in each knee 
and going up is hard work. Right. Right. Your lungs are blasting. Your you know your ham your hammies and your ass cheeks are are working <laughs> OT. And but for me, going downhill was a son of a bitch. Yeah, you said that placed a lot of strain on on your knee, on and it does knees, on that ligament. Yeah. Definitely does. Yep. And if your if my boots got wet, right as I as I'm walking and my boots get got wet, it kind of stretched them out a little bit. So I would have to you know I stop and tie my shoes and retie my shoes get them tight again but when you're going downhill on that incline your your feet slide forward you know they're not you know you may not they're not supposed to but when you're wet and you're doing this for miles and miles and miles oh, and it's such a steep incline yeah. too it's hard not to get any slippage yeah you're walking on so so even though you should be sidestepping it's hard yeah exactly well it's you know yeah you should be but over deadfall it's like <laughs> you're just trying to get by any means possible yeah you know what i mean and you know what and i feel like we're really over emphasizing the listeners are probably going what the hell they're not even talking about hunting they're yeah. just talking about how hard this was or whatever but i think that it's good for people to know how taxing this hunt actually is i right. mean this is not your typical whitetail hunting where you might get an elevation change of two or three hundred feet from you know from one cut to the top of a of a uh yeah. a bench or something yeah yep this is <laughs> it's a reality check is what right. it is i mean you know we're not talking about hunting but this is part of the hunt right, right? we just didn't sit we just didn't sit at camp and uh, bugle in bulls right i mean that's not what it was you know after day two we didn't even hear another bugle Mm-mm. for the entire trip nope okay so we were chasing ghosts what's that mean walking around and setting up and calling and setting up and calling and walking and setting up and calling and walking and going up and then going down and then going up and going and repeating and repeating and so yes it, it is it you know it is part of the hunt and man uh it got tough there after a while yeah to stay in it mentally yeah for ex- that yeah especially after day one and day two seemed to be really good right mm-hmm. i mean day two kind of faded off just a little bit and he had all, had some bugles but we didn't hear a bugle day three day four i think day five we th- we may have heard a bugle but um man was it day two was it day two we heard day two we heard the bugle but then day three uh we had an encounter uh, was it day three i think it was day three i think it was day two day two because we hunted we hunted Sunday, and then it was Monday that we went way back there up again. Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, but did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked about the encounter with the big one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. when we were sitting around the fire. Yep, yep. Okay, so you guys already know about the encounter with the uh, the really big bull, and then, I mean, there's not really too much else to talk about, right? No, uh, just the views. The I views. Mean, that that was worth the the price alone yeah right i mean I'll, I'll put it to you this way every time we fill up for gas it's 50 bucks um i don't know how many so we're gonna probably walk away with this trip spending about 300 dollars in gas yeah okay uh elk divided by two people uh, you got your elk tag uh that was 700 720 bucks for a non-resident was it? I thought it was six sixty one or something like that, or six, maybe six seventy one. Six, yeah, something like that. Let's just say seven hundred bucks. Yeah, call it good. Okay, seven hundred bucks for a tag, 
and then food and all that crap you're you know now you're looking at uh you're looking into this 1500 you know 1500 dollar mark and you know it's it's just like a vacation dude yeah but it's it's a punishing vacation <laughs> you know you're, that's for sure you're burning way more calories than you would by going and sitting on a beach but uh like you said just the experience alone this is something that i'm going to talk about and remember every single day for the rest of my life oh yeah just wake you know watching the sun come up over top of the mountains and i think one of my favorite views was uh day five where we went and pulled us trail cameras that were up there yep and we got to we ate lunch at 11 3 holy cow man yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, man, you could just see forever. Yeah, see forever. Yeah. Sun's out. It's gorgeous, which really, you know, when the sun's out, uh, <laughs> the elk are not out. But um, but just an absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I, I like I said, I wish everybody could experience what we experienced Yeah. Some, sometime in their life. Well, the other part of it, too, is, you know, we had Adam Parr yeah with us and that guy has, i mean has some patience oh he he's one of the most patient millennials i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah uh no he's a great guy and uh i mean he he would basically bugle and call for us the entire time yeah he bas- he he was for the most part he was kind of like our guide pretty much yeah yeah and he knows he knows this area that we were hunting i mean literally like the back of his hand right you know he was taking us through he knows all the game trails which is what you really have to stick to whenever you're trying to get through all the deadfall and even then you're still going to run into deadfall that's you know two and three logs high yep um and that's the other thing too is whenever your legs are that fatigued man it's easy to roll an ankle yep get your foot stuck and you know you're already at an angle it's easy to snap your tibia or something like that i mean and it's a long ways down yep or losing your balance while your foot is between two logs and you just kind of blow your knee out or your yeah your your shin bone goes out the front of your leg i I could feel that you know i have a meniscus tear in my right knee and uh there was a couple times where it got a little strained yeah i could i could feel it you know and not just the deadfall but then you get to the creek most days and you're walking straight up it and you got to find the path of least resistance which is not i mean it's not always a straight line yeah exactly so you're going back and forth on this loose rock and we you know we talked about that already but a huge shout out to my buddy adam parr Uh, he he's the guy uh who has the transition wild podcast on the sportsman's nation uh, network so if you haven't already check out his podcast but uh yeah great guy great guide uh definitely put us uh where we need to be you know if the elk aren't responding the elk aren't responding there's nothing that he can do about that but uh man he 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 did everything for us yeah basically i mean he put us in the right position there was we went out by ourselves uh one evening uh did what we thought we could do but uh yeah uh huge shout out to him you know it's, it's always good to have a contact that lives out there oh yeah and then not only not only that but he also provided us with a professional <laughs> camera guy oh charlie <laughs> yep it's like a little spider monkey jumping around the woods 
jumping around the uh, woods taking pictures. Yeah, there's going to be some awesome oh, yeah. photographs coming up. Yeah, make sure you check out uh, uh, the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page, uh, Transition Wild Instagram page, uh, and then uh, I'll once the time comes, I'll uh, I'll inform everybody about Charlie's uh, uh, Facebook or Instagram page where you guys can find some uh, all some of the pictures that this dude took they're just spectacular yeah he's got an eye for it yep shout out charlie uh, <laughs> uh and then you already know man you already know <laughs> so um you know so there's not really too much to talk else to talk about on this hunt about the hunt because uh, i mean we didn't have any more encounters after day one and two Right. Right. So um, we we did the best that we thought we could and uh, bounced around a lot. Nothing happened. Uh, success rate in that unit for archery is 11%. So that right there, not easy. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, looking back on things with uh, the shot that I put on my bowl, you know, we had we kind of touched on this couple days ago man this road is really loud sorry let me try to get back over into another lane here without flipping this vehicle um there we go there we are yeah um you know i told you i said i I don't use the word never right and always that often but i think it's safe to say that i'm never going to use a mechanical broadhead again and there's a lot of people out there probably going man yeah you're an idiot you went elk hunting with a mechanical broadhead and probably a subpar um overall weight of an arrow and spine stiffness um just a lot of things on that end that i could have done to probably optimize the shot that i had right um and let's let's just talk about that so everybody knows uh maybe why we we are now preferring like for me i i prefer a, i went into this hunt with a fixed blade setup and you know just under 500 grains of for an arrow weight first off you're pretty much shooting at a you know you, you catch an elk shoulder it's basically like a two by four you know you're, you're yep. trying to shoot through something that hard and that stiff to get to the lung right and what a mechanical broadhead is going to do when it hits that is the broadhead stops. The arrow keeps moving for the broadhead to uh, to deploy, and then the momentum pushes it, tries to push it through. Right. Yeah. So you lose a lot of energy. Yep, you lose a lot of energy when that when that uh, broadhead's trying to open. Fixed blade. There's no movement, and that energy just gets delivered through. Mm-hmm. Now maybe a fixed blade would have helped you in that scenario maybe it wouldn't have right right i mean you hit shoulder straight up right and but if i felt like if i would have blown through that and got to the other side there would have been some sort of chance yeah yeah at, at taking that animal down and also i mean just only starting my pins at 30 yards you know it had been it probably been a little more optimal if i had a 20 yard yeah started at 20 yep and that's yeah that's one thing that and, uh, you know we if, didn't realize you know you, you think hey i'm gonna go out west and i'm gonna shoot 
I'm going to need to be set up for 70 yards. 70 yards. In this timber, there's no way. <laughs> there's Good no luck. way you're shooting 40 yards. No. Unless no. you were set, set up on a meadow. Yeah, this stuff is thick. It's nasty. Yeah. So, I mean, you shot your bull under under 20. Yeah, somewhere around 20. Yeah. Yeah. So he had. And he could have dropped some too. Yeah. So that, in combination with where my pin was, overall poor performance of arrow and broadhead. A little bit of bull fever, maybe? A little bit of bull fever. I mean, man, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yep. So you're. You're basically saying, uh, as far as maybe something that you're going to do different next time, uh, you know, what are what are you thinking right now? Obviously, we have you have a whole year, and I know you. You're going to overanalyze and, <laughs> and you know break down and try to build the perfect arrow for next year. But talk to me about what's going through your head right now for this next arrow setup. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm basically going to try to to uh, build an arrow with a better FOC. Yeah. And um, and go with a a fixed blade setup. Right. I mean that's I'm gonna have one of my buddies uh, build build me a set here, likely before the whitetail season. I mean I know my the setup that I have will kill a buck. Yeah. I've done it with it, but um, man, I just it really does not help my confidence much. Yeah. Going into the whitetail season, knowing that. You know that I didn't even get very good penetration at all with yeah. my setup. Yeah. And I know an elk and a and a whitetail are two completely different animals, but man, whitetails are tough too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've shot, I've had an experience similar. You know, I, I had a mechanical broadhead, uh, probably lose some <laughs> lose some momentum on a 210 inch deer. Yeah. Right. So it hit a bone, and it, you know, a fixed blade may have gotten through that, uh, maybe a little deeper. Uh, so that's kind of my whole why I now shoot fixed blade broadheads. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just kind of a what if. Like, great. You know these these big you know big wide open. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to take a bad shot with a fixed blade and a bad shot with a uh, mechanical, a bad shot with a fixed blade is going to perform better. Yeah. And you know I'll admit. I, I stuck with a mechanical over time because I was lazy as far as tuning my arrows. Yeah. You know, not really tuning the bow. I mean, once a bow is set up, there's there's not a whole lot you're going to do really to optimize. I mean, like left and right, yeah. Um, but you're still, your your arrow is what is is taking the energy from the bow and getting it downstream. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's laziness on my part. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some of the gear that um, any anything else that you might change uh, as far as gear is concerned. I mean, we beat the shit out of our equipment. Oh yeah, everything from our hats to the bottom of our boots and everything in between. Yep. So any other changes? Um, I'm gonna go with a taller boot. I'm gonna go with a 10 inch. Yep. Um, I'll probably go with the crispy guide. Uh, I have the Nevada right now and. Um, it's just, I think it's too short yeah. for me anyways. Right. I could have used a little bit more ankle support. Um, I've told you a couple times I like the full grain leather or all leather boot rather than any synthetic in it. I feel like they don't stretch as much. Um, 
but that's so that's probably the the one thing I'd change there. The other thing we talked about uh, was the socks. Yeah, we had this little conversation. I said, me and Ryan, uh, right before we fall, fell asleep uh, on one of the last days, I asked him, "What are the, what what do you think is the most important uh, piece of gear you have, and what is the second most important uh, piece of gear you have?" And number one was boots, and number two was a sock, the sock. So yep. that tells you right there how important foot care is on these hunts oh god yeah well you're it's game over if you get blisters you know any sort of rub marks yep. hammer toe yep absolutely and knock on wood man i walked away with no blisters i walked away with no hot spots or no cramping um yep. you know when my when my boot got wet i had to t- tighten it up a couple times but other than that man my boots performed very well and we beat the shit out of them. oh yeah yeah we did um you know i told you i i wore my my crispies they were literally they were brand new i wore them around the hospital with booties on for about five hours one day and then i took them up to the mountains yeah i didn't wear these things out on the trail nothing i mean they were they were brand new yeah and i don't have any blisters i have no hot spots no rubs no nothing like that yep so i think i think that's a a testament right there yeah so um how much did you pay for your boots? Um, whether well, four something. Gotcha. Okay. Four, four twenty, four ten. I can't remember. Gotcha. I paid three twenty for mine. So uh, expensive uh, as far as the boot market is concerned. Yeah. But my my uh, my other boots that I have, I don't think they would have performed. Uh, I mean, they, I think they're too bulky. They're more of like a uh, a flatland. Which uh, ones are those? The pronghorns, the Dana oh, pronghorns. Yeah, uh, it's too light of a boot for this. Yeah, well, way too, too he- much too, flex. Too yeah, and too heavy. Of a yeah, boot. it's way. It's it's a taller uh, taller in the ankle, but it's like I don't think that that heel would have survived, or that no sole would have survived. So, uh, so you liked you liked your your oh you're going with a taller boot. Any other gear changes? Um. Maybe a pack change. A pack change. After uh, seeing Charlie's pack. <laughs> you you got to see. You, if you guys don't know about Ryan, he's like, I, I got to have that. I got to have that if he finds something better than what he's got. Yeah. So It's a curse. Yeah. So what what don't you like about your current pack that you use? And tell everybody what kind of pack it was. Uh, so it was a Mystery Ranch um, Pentler. Okay. And uh, size of the pack is good. And, I mean, you know, Mr. Ranch makes a ton of different packs. This is just the one that I chose. It, I did get it on sale, so that was part of it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a lot of small compartments, though, for, like, those rapid access kind of atom, or, uh, items. Yeah. It has the one top, and then that's pretty much it. And in, on the insides, it basically splays open, you know, like it's a Y. It has one of those big Y zips on it. Right. Um, but it just it kind of rode a little funky on my on my back. I think I told you my traps were they were shot, you know. Yeah. And I know there's things you can do to make those to make adjustments. You know, you you should be wearing a pack so that it's riding on your hip and so that your hips are taking the brunt of the weight. But even in a, in adjusting it, I I couldn't get it to ride quite like that. It would sit too far off of my back. And you know, maybe I could have messed with 
the actual placement of the pack some. I could have, uh, you know, like basically broken the pack apart, which is how you adjust the mystery ranches. There's like a, a uh, plastic, like a, a splitter, for lack of a better term, that you take and you break the Velcro, and then you run the pack up and down the, the frame yep. to better place the yoke over um, the spine of your uh, scapula on your back. Yep. So, um, you know, I probably could have messed with that some, but I still don't feel like it had, it wasn't quite as much support in the back that I wanted, especially yeah. whenever I put on um, Charlie's pack. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, what brand is it? Kafaru. Kafaru, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I loved my pack. Yeah, you, you had a lot of... Uh, a lot of praise for that pack. Oh man, not you know. So out, I, outdoorsman. Outdoorsman, yeah. And I trained with it, right? So mm -hmm. I had there's there's the bracket I can uh, there's a set of Allen wrench uh, or Allen screws that hold it to the pack that you put your weight plates on and train with. But then you have um, you take that off and it's just like this these little clip systems that you put through and pull. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a there's an opening. You turn the the clip sideways stick it in and then you open it up and then that's what holds everything into place so i didn't have a full pack right i i, I basically had what they call their muley system and it's a it's a small pack that basically was big enough for um two additional layers uh my insulation layer and my shell jacket uh my extra Two, three bottles of water. There's two compartments on each side for uh, where I put model, uh, my bottles of water, and then a bottle of water inside with my like Cliff bars and my apple and uh, you know like some extra stuff like uh, my headlamp and uh, and then there was a little uh, another extra bladder uh, compartment that I didn't use and that's where I kept my rain jacket in. So we had a my pack. My pack was money. Yeah. Um, as far as packs are concerned so uh now any what else because i know there's some other things that you we, that we talked about changing um as far as clothing yeah goes you know um i really like the system that i had yeah i mean how many times did we put a layer on take a layer off oh my put a God. layer on put another layer on take them off especially the days when it it rains oh, and then it stops man and then it rains and then it gets it gets sunny then it, like five minutes later, and that's the mountains for you right right so um and you're like damn it i just put this on right right uh, and and then you know you stop to call and you get cold mm -hmm. right so you got to put your insulation layer on and then if it gets even colder than that then you got to put your shell on top of that right so i mean i, I think next time for me I might go with a heavier-duty insulation, uh, so that way I don't have to maybe wear a shell on top of it all the time. I, I will still bring my shell, um, but... What shell did you have? Yeah. Okay, so I had um, I had the mountain pants, I had the mountain the mountain jacket, uh, and then I had the Calvin, and these, this is all Sitka, and then I had the Calvin... Um, vest calvin light vest as my yeah. insulation now they have a calvin light uh, a calvin jacket that i think next time i will probably go with a full jacket instead mm -hmm. of the vest but um 
Uh, then I had a merino base layer from Kuyu. That was my that was my uh, top base layer. And then I had another little shirt from a company called uh, Element Camo, but and it's just basically a uh, a synthetic. I don't even know. Like Not, a poly blend. Yeah, poly blend. Real light, very comfortable, dries very fast. But I don't even know if that company's going to be in business anymore. I went to their website, and it's just, you know, <laughs> everything's like 60% off, 60% off. So Barely operational. Yeah, I don't I don't even know about what's going on yeah. with that company. But um, Wool is a big deal, though, right? Oh, wool. Man. My socks. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, okay. the alpaca? The, yeah. Al- Altera? Mm-hmm. Altera socks. Altera, yep. That is... If I if I'm gonna shout out one <laughs> one brand or one company to go take a look at, it's socks from Altera. Yeah, they, I mean, we walked through some wet, nasty shit, and every day my feet were dry when yep. I took them out of the boot, and they were in there for sometimes ten hours, twelve hours. Yeah, right. And you take you know you take your 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 boots wet, not necessarily on the inside; it's damp, but you take your you know, you take your boot off and your sock is dry. Yeah. And it's comfortable. Exactly. And your feet stay warm. Yep. So it's breathable. And so if, <laughs> go check out these Altera uh, socks, and they're made with alpaca uh, fur. Yep. Or yeah, not, it's a blend yeah, of not al- sheep wool. Yeah. And, uh, man, <laughs> that guy is fanatical about socks, too. Yeah, you had a conversation. With, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he is fanatical, man. He loves uh, socks. He loves socks. Yeah, he's a sock guy. <laughs> <laughs> sock man. Yeah, so uh, shout, out, shout out to my socks yep. for uh, keeping my feet dry, keeping my feet comfortable, and not sweaty. Um, and then what else? Uh, Heather's Choice. Yeah, Heather's Choice. Uh, dude. Her, some of her meals are freaking delicious, oh. like the bison chili. Oh, man. That that was awesome. The chowder. Yep. Um, the packaroons. Yeah. Oh, okay. man. It's basically like <laughs> uh, a dense cookie that is just packed with a ton of calories. Yep. For, you know, H- when you're 190. For one, I mean, it's no bigger than probably. A silver dollar. Yeah, I was going to say, about a silver dollar, uh, but it's about half inch thick yeah three three quarters inch three, thick yep and uh just damn they're flavorful oh my god what was what the lemon lavender the lemon lavender uh <laughs> packaroon Woo! man dude the blueberry almond awesome sweet I, coconut awesome I, yeah the black espresso packaroon oh yeah i i or uh chocolate espresso whatever that is i could definitely just munch on those all day long yeah, and after you ate it, you weren't like, "Oh man, I've got a brick in my stomach," right. you know. Right. Even if you ate both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's some good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so th- that from the food standpoint, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything, anything that I would change other than maybe my insulation layer. I it, might have a, a couple more of the shirts that I had. Like I had the Ascent shirt which was great for me you know you were talking about layering up i was pretty good i with i basically had a merino um undershirt on like a smart wool or icebreakers or something like that yeah and then i wore a um for my base layer in my pants was either like a patagonia type they're real light one i can't remember the name of it um but it's like a like a poly type fiber 
pant yeah. or the icebreakers. I was using uh, what used to be their 200 um, blend or their 200 weight pant. Right. Um, and I've been wearing that stuff for a long time. And I, you know, I told you, I'm like, oh man, I'm soaked. And then I get get done with that, like we, and then maybe like 30, 40 minutes later, and I'm dry. Right. I didn't wear I didn't wear a base layer for my pants. I just wore my my mountain pants. Uh, I did just because I don't like the feeling of those damp pants on my legs. You know, kind of. Really. Yeah. I guess I'm just more of a man than you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Every time I looked behind me, it, it didn't look like you were more of a man. <laughs> well, do we want to talk about that? Uh, hey, I made it to the top, dude. Just yeah. not as fast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Dude, those mountain pants. Did you have the mountain pants? No, I had the, um, I, well, I had, I'm going to call it the equivalent of a mountain pant. Nasika yeah. um, probably wouldn't wouldn't like that because I know everything is geared, you know, systematically yeah, to this specific, or whatever. Yeah. Specifically. But it is, it's basically the mountain pant without the knee, knee in it. It's the whitetail version. Gotcha. I Just for utility, that's, that's the pattern that I chose. Right. You know. Those pictures will probably never, never make it to any uh, sick uh, Instagram or Facebook or anything nah, because man. I was mixing patterns. You know, that's a big no-no. <laughs> oh, dude, do not mix patterns yeah. and take your uh, picture. Yeah, you're totally screwed. That's not how you become a sicka bro. Sicka bra. <laughs> bra. <laughs> Hashtag sicka bro. Bra. That's copyrighted, by yeah. the way. Yeah, don't use that. Yep. Uh, but, <laughs> but the gear, like, I... You know, we talked about beating the shit out of our boots. Our pants, dude, I think oh. I only have one small little hole uh, from all that deadfall. Yep, me too. Dude, those yeah, pants they, took a beating. They did. I was impressed. Yeah. Because usually. And I wore them every single day. Right. Every day I wore the same pants. Yep. I had a pair of uh, a pair of pants from, uh, damn, who was that? Who's that one company that uh, we got some Predator stuff from? Werewolves, huh? No, um, the other one. That Predator. Predator. Predator camo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm not like I'm not trying to beat up on them or anything, but I wore pants that would have been like similar to the equivalent, and just in the whitetail woods, I tore the shit out of them. Yeah. The crotch was blown out of them. You know, the sicker ones have a nice gusseted crotch. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm just being real. You know, comparing. like I said, yeah. comparing the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, we beat the shit out of those pants and no problems. Right. Another thing I, I would like to say, we both have Prime bows, and Prime is a partner in this podcast. I know, full disclosure. And on some of these inclines, I was using my bow as a, <laughs> as a second trekking pole. Right. Right? Yeah. Just getting cams all in the dirt and, and just, you know, using it hard. Yeah. Right? And, it, I mean, it went everywhere we went. Oh, yeah. And, like, through sticks and, and stuff. Get back to camp. You know, every night we shot a couple arrows to make sure everything was on. No issues. Yep. Beat the shit out of those bows, and they they performed perfectly yeah they're a machine yeah built very well uh, and they shoot very well so go check those guys out anyway yep that's a that's me whoring out right well whatever but it was true right yeah so. uh, i mean hey i i told you i shot a lot of bows at ata and that's that's the one that i came yep. away with that was yeah exactly yep 
So, all right, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. So I talked about my socks. My boots performed well. I also had Krispies. Um, Sitka layering system performed very well. You guys wore baseball caps. Yeah. And I wore a merino wool stocking cap. Yep. Now, I don't know. I, one day I wore a baseball cap, and I felt my head got really <laughs> hot. And I, honestly, like, I felt when I was wearing a baseball cap, I couldn't control my temperature as I could with that stocking cap on. Yeah. So it's very light, very thin, but it's a merino uh, stocking cap. And I felt that I just throw it over my ears when I got cold, take it up off my ears if I got hot. And I, I felt that that allowed me to regulate my heat way more when I was going up and down or getting stopping and getting cold than a baseball cap. Yeah. See, for me, the heat regulation came from, like, basically my arms and my armpits. I had that Ascent shirt. And it's real thin. I mean, like, this stuff's, like, super thin. And yep. then I had a vest. I had the Kelvin Light vest. And for me, I could regulate very well with that. Right. That one morning that we, we made that big first ascent, um, later on we went to the other side of the, of yep. the mountain range. Um, I mean, like, I damn near freaked out because I had that rain jacket yep. on. A sick of... I don't know if it's a storm front or whatever it is. Yeah. But, man, I could not get the thing off quick enough. I Burning up. Oh, it's burning down, man. Just, yeah. it was awful. I, t- I tell you what's cool, though, is you were happy with you. And, you know, this is where, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about gear. You spent how much for that rain jacket? Oh, I don't know. It's like a three or $400 rain jacket. Right. I spent... 35 bucks on my rain jacket right and felt it performed extremely well yep uh, yeah know, i never heard you bitch about being wet no and i wasn't uh i i wore that jacket uh, every time it rained and it kept me dry every time it rained so it's crazy how you know there's all this you know like your opinion versus my opinion and what works and what may not work right, right? and dude i spent I spent a tenth, a tenth, and I felt it performed very well. Right. You know, it was it insulated and keep me warm. No, it was basically just a, a rain shell. Right. Right. That I threw over over top of it, um, and it was from was probably made in China. Whatever. <laughs> it was not breathable, but it did the job. Right. You know, it was better than the frog talk system that I used the last <laughs> the last time, uh, which ended up. Or which resulted in me having to wear trash bags <laughs> at my last Idaho trip. So, um, yeah. all right. So and that's what I like too. Is like you know, I mean, we do have varying opinions on some things. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, so it's good for people to to know that yeah, we don't just blanketly endorse using one kind of system or oh, you know absolutely. whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, and and. To your point, I I probably would have actually switched up and gone with something like the Nimbus, something that was a little bit lighter, yeah, um, a little more packable, because um, that that jacket, that in those pants are loud, yeah, they're real loud. Yep. Oh, that was the other thing about my pack, it squeaked the entire time. Really? I don't know if you could hear it or not, but up near the the shoulders, no matter how I rearranged it, it was like 
the strap material against the shoulder pad would creak and squeak. Yeah. Yeah. That pissed me off. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't hear anything over my breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm trying to think if there's any other gear that you know next next year. I I, even though I didn't get a shot off at anything, I, I think I'm gonna go with a heavier arrow. Uh, I'll probably change to four fletch, uh, four fletchings this year. I'm shoot. I shot three. Uh, just I like to play around with my arrow setup. Yeah. Um, we talked about that, like all the essentials, talked about all that stuff. Um, you know, my sleeping bag <laughs> worked great. I oh, was yeah. hot in it most of the time. Uh, yeah, because we didn't have a fire going in our in little our, bungalow. Yeah, no, we didn't. Um, and it was nice, too. Yeah. Because I think I had a 15-degree um, bag, yeah. and I don't – what was yours? I think the same. Yeah. Zero to, zero to 15. Yeah. Oof. Yep. So, and it got it got down into the thirty nine degrees. It was one yep. morning. That's what Adam said. I didn't I didn't fact check that or anything. But right, right. So all my all my equipment, gear, and clothing, I think for the most part, worked very well. I mean, my everything from the clothes that I wore to my water to my pack to my release to yeah. you know my bow. You know, my my uh, water valve it. leaked on my. I think it's a platypus. Platypus, yeah. Yeah, that's the water, one thing. Water bladder. Yeah, so I'm like, why is my damn shirt wet? Well, the water was just dripping out of it. Right, right. All right, so, you know, we've been talking now for 53 minutes uh, <laughs> about, you know, a lot of gear, a lot of, you know, our, our calories and our overall perf- body performance. Now, from experience, from day one, to day five i want you i want ryan eiberg's opinion on this like just a high level overall of this entire trip um the most fun i've had on a hunting trip yeah for sure um the best scenery that you could possibly imagine um the most demanding active physical activity that i've ever done yep i mean because there's you know you had kind of mentioned about a grind. I mean, we've we have uh, grinded out of a few whitetail hunts. You know, yeah. I think what was it? We'd say 15, 16 days was the most that we had. Yep, in a row. In a row. Yep. I mean, just this short trip was way more physically demanding than that. Yeah. You know, and we were carrying in at sometimes seventy pounds worth of gear, camera equipment. Yeah, and stands stuff. and all that shit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I yeah, forgot. we talked. We talked. We talked a little bit about that. Like, so the you know the the grind is different, right? Right. Yes, mentally, I think they're more similar. Obviously, physically, uh, you know, the this elk hunt was more demanding, but I think that like in the rut, you get up and you go out and you either you you know, whether you're tearing up. Or set, you know, tearing up and setting, or setting up and tearing down, and, and doing that all over again every single day. I think the similarities in mental strength are, are they're they're similar, right? right. I, mean, I mean, the grinding, it's all about have, trying to have a positive, uh, you know, a positive attitude every morning. Because there were mornings that I wanted to stay in my sleeping bag and not <laughs> go and not go hunting, 
and there's there's were days where you know oh my god it's 30 degrees you know 29 degrees out in november i do not want to sit in a tree stand this morning my bed is so comfortable but mentally you know you need to be out there right right and right. when it comes down to you know day five of this hunt or day 10 of of your rut hunt and you know because it it's not going to happen in your sleeping bag or in your bed, man. Oh, hell no, it won't. No. Oh, it will. It'll happen out there, but it, you won't be a part yeah, of it. You won't be a part of it, right? And the conditions as the week went on, we, you know, we knew, right? We knew that the likelihood of shooting a bull as the week went on and the weather conditions changed were not good. Right. But we still went out and we still climbed the mountain every single day uh, in hopes that we'd get lucky. Yeah. Right? And... I don't know. And, you know, other people's experience with elk hunting may be different than what we had also because of, you know, variances in terrain and elevation. Yep, yep. Um, You know, there's – I know other people have have elk hunted in just basically aspen groves that were – you know, they they weren't very steep. Um, You know, you were still at a decent elevation, but basically the elk kind of migrated through the area. Yeah, we were we were busting ass to get away from everybody. Yeah, right. We did not see another hunter. Nope, we did not. Which see. was awesome. Right. Yep. That that was probably and, and the reason we didn't is because we busted our ass getting back to these spots. Right. Right. So I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna end with this. Like I said, this is something that everybody should try uh, if go outside of your comfort zone you know because if if you're thinking about doing some kind of mule deer hunt or elk hunt it, you know obviously a lot of the people listening to this are probably in the you know east of the mississippi right hunting in states like pennsylvania and michigan uh you know all the midwestern states even some of the southern states and if you ever get the opportunity to go and try something different like a western mule deer hunt or a western antelope hunt or an elk hunt you don't have to do what we did you know you don't you don't let the physical um the physical struggle that we talked about like deter you because there's plenty of opportunities out there for way less aggressive terrain sure right um you still are going to have to put in work. You're still going to have to do your digital scouting. You're still going to have to do all these, you know, there's a checklist of things that you need to do uh, to complete, you know, to even, you know, take step one onto planning that hunt. But killing an animal or not killing an animal, I feel that the experience alone is worth every dime I spent, every minute I spent uh, preparing for, yeah. for this hunt. Yeah. And, Every minute away from your family. Yep, and and I'm and we talked about that. You know, I'm I cannot wait to see my children. Oh man, you know, no kidding. I cannot yeah, wait my wife. to see my wife, and you know, it was it was hard for my wife to take care of my three crazy ass kids while I was while I was gone, and uh, I think I'm gonna come back. I think for you know, sounding selfish, I think men need this kind of thing. You know, a lot of us are in dad. Oh, everybody does. Yeah. To decompress. Yep. Un- unwind and just un- disconnect from everything. Yep. Recharge your batteries. Yep. I'm going to come back from this hunt. I, I know I'm going to be a better father. Uh, I'm going to be more patient. 
I'm going to be like all these things. Just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to come back uh, refreshed and better than what I was when I, when I left. So, um, and then just like the camaraderie, like, you know, you know, me and you being able to spend time with a friend, right. You know, getting to know Adam much better. Right. Uh, getting introduced to some of Adam's friends and just <laughs> basically making more friends, meeting more people and just yeah. sharing the love of hunting and absolutely the love of nature. Yeah. Period. You know, cause, because yeah, we all love hunting, but every time I look back or at somebody else, what were they doing? They were looking up at the mountains. That's right. Doing the same. You're like, you, and if you're out there hunting and you're so focused on hunting, guys aren't doing that. But everybody did it, and it's because of their love for nature. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I, I just am, I'm so blown away by everything that went down on this trip, and we kind of ended it with some bitchin' tacos, dude. Oh man, <laughs> that's right. You know, on, on our way down the mountain, we stopped at this small town. We had uh, we had some uh, tacos that were mind blowing. Uh, and then and some queso and some ca- chips. chips and queso. Mm. And, uh, and here we are. We're right. uh, like 70 miles from the Nebraska-Iowa border. And uh, we're slowly coming. This trip is slowly coming to an end. That's right. So you think uh, this is something you want to do next year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, are you excited for whitetail season? Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, are you? How about you? Oh, dude. I think this trip, though, I I got in a good chunk of like me time and yep. outdoor time. I think I'm gonna actually. I don't know. This is me saying this right now. Uh, <laughs> first week of September, and I know that when October first comes around, everything will change. Right. But I think I'm gonna hunt less in the early season. Yeah. Just because I've had this this awesome elk experience, I got uh, you know I got some of that out of my system right now. You know I kind of I didn't just jump right into whitetail season. I kind of had this I had this trip, you know. And then there's three weeks where I'm not going to be able to hunt, and I don't know. I, there's so many fall activities I want to do with my family, right? And, and the benefits I've seen firsthand the benefits of not hunting early season means when you do go into the whitetail season uh it's better hunting right because you stayed out during that the first you know three weeks of the of october will i go out and shoot a doe i'm gonna try but (laughs) i'm not gonna like dive into any any decent spots right so yeah man so thumbs up yep two thumbs up two thumbs up I don't know, man. Is there anything else that we need to add? I don't think so. All right. I think I'm done. 6.13 in the morning. 6.13 in the morning. Sun uh, ought to be coming up here soon. Yep. I. About an hour. Right. I can't wait to get like get back home, turn my phone on, flip through all the pictures I took, get those pictures from Charlie, you know, look through those pictures Adam sent, and then have these memories for the rest of my life. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
Hopefully you've enjoyed this trilogy. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time to download this, man. I really appreciate not only on this podcast, but all the podcasts. Huge shout out to my buddy Ryan for making the trip with me. Huge shout out to Adam Parr for literally like opening up his doors to let me and Ryan come hunt with him. That is, that's a boss move, man. And I really, really appreciate it. I will never forget it. And I, my goal is to somehow pay you back someday. Um, that's the goal. So huge shout out to Adam Parr, huge shout out to, uh, my man, Danny out there in Colorado. Uh, thanks for letting us stay in your cabins. Huge shout out to a uh, new friend, Charlie, uh, and Sam that we met out there. Uh, I'm going to try to get some pictures from Charlie. He's a really good photographer. I'll let you guys take a look at those at some point. Uh, so check social media for that. And, uh, lastly, man, thanks. Thanks to the state of Colorado for having places like this, you know, national forests and an elk herd that is, seems to be managed really well. So thank you to the state of Colorado, I guess. And thank you to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics. And last but not least, if you're going to be in a tree this weekend, doing anything in a tree stand, Hunter Safety Systems is reminding you, please wear your damn safety harness.